Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. You look beautiful this evening, church. Amen? All right. Don't say you're not beautiful. I, I was giving you a compliment. You, you said nothing in return. All right. So you look beautiful this evening, church. Amen. I could have said other things. I'm just saying. Uh, I am. I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad to be able to minister the word. Um, this past Friday evening, we had an incredible just explosion of God's goodness and His glory and His power with our young adult ministry. So, for those of them that were here, wave your hand at me, guys. I know they were. So, yes, they're they're all in the back, everywhere, all around the room. Um, it was an absolutely awesome time. Amen. Can we give God glory for that? And so, man, the Lord showed up. The Lord showed up in fire. The Lord showed up and brought peace and restoration and healing, forgiveness, grace, deliverance. He, you know, the Lord can only do those things. Amen. We can search for a lot of things in this world and you can search really, really hard and you will be 100% certain that you will not find what you can find when the Lord shows up. Amen. In this world, you can search for silver or gold and you could have the riches of this world. But the Bible says, you know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? And so the riches of the presence of God is 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 so powerful. Amen. I believe that they're life marking encounters when you have an encounter with the presence of Jesus. Amen. They should, they should literally turn your countenance, you know, completely shift your countenance. They should shift the direction of your life. They should change your trajectory, if you will, because you've met with Jesus. I'm reminded of that story in, in, uh, in, uh, in the Gospels where, you know, Jesus, he had healed those men with leprosy. And I believe that there was ten lepers. But the Bible says that the ten left and only one came back. To praise God. One gave him credit. Amen. There was only one that came back that said, I can't keep this to myself. And how many of you know the goodness of God that way? That you know how good God has been to your life. That you're like, I cannot keep this to myself. God is so good. Amen. And so when you have those those head-on collisions, if you will, with the power and the presence of God, church, you can't contain that. You cannot contain it. It's like the prophet Ezekiel said. It's like a fire that is shut up in your bones that you cannot contain. And I know this past Friday, was a, it was a long weekend. We got to minister at, at two different churches this weekend. Well, three different churches, you know, including our own. Uh, our worship team was, was, was there. Uh, DJ got to minister at another local church here in Far, and God moved there. And then, you know, we got to minister this past Sunday, and then we got to minister Sunday night at Jeremy, our bass player. Uh, uh, his, his family has a, has a ministry as well. We got to minister there. We just saw the Lord move, 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 move. And it's so powerful, church, when you see the Lord moving. When you know that the Lord is resting upon your life, when the Lord is using you as a vessel, it's such a powerful uh, thing to experience. Because this is only found in the presence of God. This is, this is only found in a relationship with God. Where you see the Lord's miracle working power at work, active and alive, because you have a relationship with him. Amen? You know who he is. And so uh, I was praying uh, this morning about what I would speak to you about tonight. And I was reminded of this message that I had spoke six, seven years ago. Uh, to uh, the church or uh, young people. I don't remember who it was. And I was reminded of this, this word that the Lord had given me then, and I believe it's going to apply to us tonight as well. My Bible tells me, church, that the Lord is entrusting his people to carry the gospel. Amen? The Lord entrusts you and I with this gospel. He entrusts you and I as servants, as, as sons and daughters to, to take the living word of God, to take the gospel into the earth. Amen? We're not just supposed to be, you know, uh, satisfied with receiving what the Lord has for us in a place like this, in a church like this. This is good, right? Amen? We come to get our, our, our cup full to overflow. But how many of you know that somebody else is, is parched and thirsty out there in the desert? 
Amen? They need the living water of Jesus. They need the life of Christ. They need the power of God in their life. And so the Lord has entrusted us to carry the gospel, to be a chosen believers that would carry their cross on a daily basis. To be a people, church, that consciously wake up every single day to say, I must follow Jesus. I must pursue the Lord. I must preach the word. The Bible says to be ready to preach the word in season and out of season. Amen? Amen. Where you come and where you go, that you're, you are a living testimony, the Bible says, that, that wherever you go, that, that people would actually ask you the reason for the hope which you have. You see, if you're a believer, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, I believe that people will look at your life and they'll see something different about you. Amen? They'll see that you're not just the, the person that says they're part of a religious group or they just attend a church, but there's something different about your life. They will ask you the reason for the hope in which you have. And church, it's such a powerful thing when you're able to witness to somebody. How many of you have witnessed to somebody this week? Amen. I pray that you've talked to somebody about Jesus. I pray that you've actually, you know, shared and had a a heart-to-heart with somebody and told them, hey, listen, the days are getting shorter. Amen? Jesus is going to return one of these days. And guess who he's coming for? His spotless and glowing bride. He's coming for those that love him and that are awaiting his return. Not just for those who are simply existing in this world. Amen. And so the Lord wants us to be a holy nation that would tell of the faithfulness of his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm chapter 78. We're going to go through some verses quickly tonight. I I realize the guys in the back probably don't have these. So Psalm 78, 1 through 4. And they're going to follow along the best that they can. I I hope you have your Bible. How many of you have your Bible? Show it to me tonight. The living word of God, amen. It is alive and effective. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. If I will allow you to use the Bible on your phone if you do not have your Bible. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4. It says, My people, hear my teaching and listen to the words of my mouth. I will open up my mouth in parables and I will utter hidden things, things of, uh, from of old. He says, What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, he said, we will not hide them from their children, and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders that he has done. We'll read that one more time. Let's let's say it again. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known and what our fathers have told us. Verse 4 is the key. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and of the wonders that he has done. Now let's keep going in in Psalms chapter 145. Go ahead uh, to chapter 145 and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Give you just a second to get there. When you get there, say amen. They're still searching. All right, there's an amen. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 4. I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and I will extol your name forever and ever. It says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. It says one generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. He is speaking to your life tonight and he is speaking to my life tonight of this commission. To tell of the wonderful deeds, of the wonderful acts, of the greatness of our God from generation to generation. Amen. How many of you know that it is this generation's responsibility to tell the next generation about Jesus? Think about it this way. If somebody in the previous generation had not done their job, you might not know Jesus today. If some evangelist, some pastor, some prophet, some teacher, some church leader, some some Christian that was out on the streets, if they had not done their job, you might not know Jesus today. 
You see, it's through the obedience of following His Word and taking it into heart. It's taking the things that we've known and seeing the goodness of God and taking it to the world. It's sharing it with the next generation. The Bible tells us that King David's generation would not hide the deeds of God from the next generation. And up until now, this generation, that is you and I, I pray that we would tell of the awesome works of God in our life. Amen? How many of you are unashamed of the gospel? Raise your hands. I know some of y'all are ashamed to like share this service on Facebook and stuff. Man, it got quiet real quick. But I pray that you're unashamed of the gospel. The Bible says for it is what? It is the power of God for those who would believe. It is what our faith is held together by, church. We have a great commission to tell this world about Jesus. Amen. I could stand here all night and tell you about the mighty things and the wonderful things that the Lord has done for me. And I believe that if I pass the mic around tonight, you could do the same. You could say, Pastor Duke, I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once bound, but now I'm free. Man, Pastor Duke, I was once, you know, confused in my life. I had no direction, but now I have purpose and I have a plan of God in my life today. I am forgiven. I'm redeemed. I am changed. I am transformed by the blood of Jesus in my life today. This is the God that we serve, church. Can somebody give him glory tonight? And so the Lord is calling you and I, church, to be a burning one. He is calling you and I to pass on the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, fire is, is, a, is a tricky thing. Fire doesn't really, like, obey boundaries. Right? If you light a fire and that thing gets big enough, it's just going to keep going. If you, if, you, if you strike a match and you, you light a piece of wood on fire or some grass or a field or what have you, it'll go and it'll go and it'll go and it'll go. The Bible says that our God is an all-consuming fire. That means that he wants to eat up all those things in our lives that, that don't belong to him, that have, that have got us lost and bound, and he wants to transform our life. But guess what? The fire never stops. It continues, and it continues, and it continues. And so the Lord is looking for people, I believe, in this time, in this hour, church, that would be passionately in love with him, that would be burning brightly in a darkened world, that wouldn't be ashamed of him. But we would actually show this world that there is a greater hope, and his name is Jesus. That we would actually show this world that there is an answer and his name is Jesus. Amen? That we would actually show this world that we could live above fear because we have faith in the one who conquered all things and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so the question of the hour is what does it take to burn passionately for the Lord? What does it take to live passionately for Jesus? What do I need to do to be able to tell others about him? I believe the answer is simple. If we look in the Gospels and we see what Scripture told us about so many people, about the likes of Mary Magdalene, about the likes of, of the disciples themselves, of those who were healed from leprosy, those who were freed from oppression, it's simple. It's have an encounter with Jesus. The way that we can show this world Jesus is by actually coming into contact with him. It's by coming into contact with the one that loves you endlessly, church. It's by meeting him head on and seeing the fire in his eyes, seeing the grace with which he loves you, Feeling the presence in the love and the embrace of God in your life. It's having that encounter with him, church. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to be speaking to you about this. The Lord has just put this so deep in my heart tonight that I want to speak to you about this. To be a people that is passionately on fire serving and sharing Jesus. Amen. And so tonight, I want us to look at this example. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1.
You can just mark it there and just stay there for a moment. But we're going to look at the example of of the young prophet Jeremiah. Does anyone know what Jeremiah had come uh, become in the Bible? That, that is, Jeremiah became a prophet of God. Now we ask ourselves the question, what do prophets do? They are like a, a mouthpiece. They're a spokesman for God. The prophet's primary duty was to speak forth uh, God's message to the people in the historical context of what was happening amongst them. And so the, the broadest meaning is that of foretelling. That is the, the narrower meaning would be foretelling. And so in the process of proclaiming God's message, the prophet would sometimes reveal that which was pertained to the future. But contrary to popular opinion, this was only a small part of a prophet's message. You see, it wasn't always foretelling and foretelling. But the Lord would use prophets to give a word for the day, a rhema word, as they call it. And so Jeremiah, well, I want us to learn about Jeremiah just for a minute. Jeremiah was, was a young man. He was called and he was an appointed prophet. We'll find out in just a second in Jeremiah 1. But the Bible tells us, uh, in history tells us, that Jeremiah was about 20 years old when he was called by the Lord. He was about 20 years old. And so the Lord chose Jeremiah in verses 4 and 5. Let's go ahead and, and read verse 4. We have that back there, guys. All right. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And so the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord chose him to be a prophet even before his birth. How many of you know that when the Bible says that God has a plan for you, like he has a plan? <laughs> Amen? That's why he's called the author and the finisher of your faith. He has written this whole thing out. He knows exactly what he's going to do in your life. And he knows exactly what he desires to accomplish through your life. Amen? And so we see that Jeremiah was a prophet even before he was born. That is, God had a full and complete knowledge of Jeremiah. God knew uh, what Jeremiah would be like in all of his weaknesses and his strengths, his flaws, his virtues, his failures, and his successes. God knew that Jeremiah would trust the Lord and that he would establish a close personal relationship with, with himself. But for all of these reasons, the Lord accepted Jeremiah and he chose him before his, his birth. And so God set apart Jeremiah to do this work of a prophet. That is, he was not to commit his life to any other profession nor spend his time on any other affairs because he was set apart for a specific task to be a very special minister of the Lord. Jeremiah was ordained, he was appointed as a prophet to the nations of the world. That is, God created the whole world and therefore his love reaches and is supposed to reach out to all nations of the earth. And so God wanted everyone to be saved and to live with him eternally. And so Jeremiah's job was to share and show the love and truth of God to this world. And so when the Lord issued his call to Jeremiah, there was a deep sense of inadequacy that surged through the young man's life. Let's read verse 6 really quick. It says, Sovereign Lord, I said... He said, I do not know how to speak. He says, for I am too young. Let's read it one more time. He's like, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. Verse 7, it says, but the Lord says to me, do not say I am too young. It says, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. How many of you know God's pretty clear in his instructions? Amen. What did he say there? Go everywhere I send you. Say whatever I command you. It's not that hard, is it? Jeremiah was given clear-cut instructions. There's no, there's no gray area here. It's, it's, it's very clear what the Lord was asking of him. And when the Lord had issued this call, there was a sense of inadequacy that overtook Jeremiah's life. In that verse when he said, I am too young, he was hesitant. He was fearful due to the enormous task of reaching the nations of the world. If the Lord stopped you right now and he called you out by name and said, I've called you to this. This is the work that I have for you. This is the assignment that I have for your life. 
You might say, okay, God, that, that sounds like a, a nice plan. Thank you, God, for, uh, you know, wanting me to accomplish this. But every single one of us would probably do exactly what Jeremiah did. And you would say, ah, uh, but God, my microphone's not loud enough, you know, to, to speak to the nations of the world. God, uh, uh, man, I'm really busy at work this week. I, I have some other things going on in my life. Lord, if you only knew the, the, the struggles that I have in my life, you know, the things that I deal with on a daily basis. And so Jeremiah, he blurted out, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not even a public speaker at all. Jeremiah was viewed as a child in these days. He was a young man that had little to no experience. But whatever the case, Jeremiah knew the awful wickedness of the people and the society in which he lived, as well as his own inadequacies and, experience and inexperience as a young man. And so he knew that a prophet must have the ability to speak publicly in order to preach the word of God. And so it was only natural for him to shrink back from this awesome task of reaching the nations. I believe that whenever the Lord calls you and I to do something for him, when he brings you into that plan and he speaks forth that plan in your life, one of the first things that the enemy wants you to do is see the reasons why you are disqualified. The first thing that the enemy wants to do in your life is he wants to shout at all the reasons why you shouldn't be where you are and you shouldn't fulfill what God wants you to do. But how many of you know there's that saying that says, if the Lord calls you to it, that he's going to bring you through it. Amen? The Lord is not going to call you into some war. He's not going to call you into some battlefield without giving you the weapons that you need. God is not going to say, hey, listen, I want you to be a prophet to the nations. I want you to be, you know, this, this person that's going to speak to the world and have no anointing in your life or have no, nothing uh, of God. No, he's going to prepare you for the work, church. He's going to provide those things in your life that you need. I was speaking to one of the worship team members not that long ago, and I remember back to one of the first times that I, I had a... The, you know, the first thing I ever did in the church was I got to play drums. And, and, and I'll never forget how, you know, I was a 15-year-old kid, you know, young man, and, and I, would, I would go up there, and every time I would go up there, my hands were freezing. My hands were just freezing cold. And it wasn't the temperature in the room. My hands would just, they would get cold. I don't even know how to explain it. You know, it's like the rest of my body was fine, but my hands were freezing. And as a musician, if you are, if anyone out here is a musician or has ever had to play an instrument, you know, obviously we use our hands. And so when your hands are, are tense and tight and cold, it, it, you just, you don't feel right. And so I remember I would always bow my head right before worship was going to start. And every single time I played, I would blow on my hands and I would say, Lord, I rebuke all nervousness. I rebuke all anxiety, God. I rebuke just, just the fear, Lord, of this moment, God, because, Lord, I know I shouldn't be here, but I'm thankful, Lord, that you put me here. And so, God, just use me as a vessel for your glory. Use me, Lord, in this moment, and the Lord would just begin to work through me. Church, he's not going to call you to something that you are unable to fulfill. Because he is the one working in you. He is the one supplying the power. He's the one giving you the precious gift of his Holy Spirit. And he's the one that's going to do a work in your life. You just need to say yes. We just need to say yes. We just need to surrender and submit to the plan of God. You can grumble all you want. You can complain all you want. God, I don't even know how I'm going to talk to all these people in the world and, and all the nations. And God's like, hey, none of that thing, none of that matters, right? None of this matters in this moment. I believe the Lord desires to use us as a vessel for his purposes and his glory. Amen? The Bible says that we are the handiwork of God. You know that you were actually created as a vessel of the glory of God to display the glory of God in this earth, church. To destroy darkness. To destroy the works of Satan. As you surrender your life to him, the Lord will use you 
to minister. He will use you to minister to family, to friends, to peers, neighbors, co-workers, and so on. But I believe that we could find every single reason why not to do something. But we need to look, church, at Christ and know that if the Lord has asked us to do it and he has commissioned us for it, that we just need to give him our yes. Amen? This young man was scared. He said, Lord, what do you want me to say to this wicked generation? These people, they don't believe. I'm not a good speaker. I'm sure there's somebody else, Lord, that could do a better job. There's probably somebody else more qualified. Can I tell you tonight, church, that excuses are disobedience? I'll say it one more time. Excuses are disobedience. How many of you have ever made an excuse? It's okay, raise your hand. Well, sorry, I came home a little late because, you know, I, uh, sorry, I couldn't come to church on Wednesday because, you know, had this, had that. Man, I'm reminded of, uh, what is it, Luke chapter 14, Brother Ike probably remembers this better than me, but there was a, a king that invited many people to a wedding banquet, and they had excuses. Well, I need to tend to my property. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got to do. I got I to gotta fix the property. Oh, well, I, I need to tend to, to the family. I have some family affairs that are going on. The Bible says that that king, he, he tore up the invitation. He's like, go to the highways and the byways and find those that want to come sit at this banquet. Jesus, at one point in time, he even said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for my kingdom. I have to tell you the truth tonight that excuses don't fly in the kingdom. They might fly with people in this world and people on this earth, but they will never fly with the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Read that one more time. James 4 and 17, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do, that is, you know what the Lord told you to do. He told you to speak. He told you to share. He told you to bless. He told you to be generous. He, he gave you a commission. He gave you a plan. He gave you a command. It says, they know the good they ought to do and they do not do it. It is a sin for them. Jeremiah at this point in his conversation with God was beginning to make excuses. And excuses about what? His own unqualifications. I believe that whenever we've made excuses to God and when we say, Lord, I'm unqualified, Lord, I'm not talented, I'm not good with large crowds, I'm not a good reader, I'm not a good communicator, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. God is speaking to you, it's not you, it's me. I'm not worried about your inadequacy. I'm not worried about your, the things that you the, might fall short in because it's not you doing the work, it's me through you. We need to understand that. We need to understand that when we are surrendered to him, it's actually him doing the work. John 14 and 26. Let's go there for a second. John 14 and verse 26. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. It's the Holy Spirit. What is he doing? He's teaching us all things. He will remind you of everything that he has said to us. I was telling someone before uh, service tonight, Sister Tina. Actually, wave your hand, Sister Tina. She's in the back. <laughs> She's like, Ugh. don't look at me. I was telling her, you know, you guys see that we have these headphones in our ears you know we're not like ignoring you <laughs> you know it's not like what do they listen to the radio when they have those headphones on no you know some sometimes when we play songs there's actually a lady that's talking to us in our ear and she's going chorus verse and she's telling us you know what's next or whatever and it's like this with the holy spirit the holy spirit's always telling you what's next 
He is in your ear. He is in your heart. He is in your mind and he is in your life. And he is telling you what's next. You just have to be obedient to open your mouth. There's been times where the Lord has actually brought me to what I could describe as like a ledge, right? You know, it's like, you know, you have nowhere else to go but off the ledge. And then he'll fill your mouth. He'll give you the word in that moment. He'll allow you to share something. You say, Pastor Duke, I don't know what to share to this person about this situation. I don't even know how to handle this, but they came to me with it. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Don't be the guy that says, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you and doesn't ever utter a word in prayer. I see a lot of people, you know, whenever somebody posts something on social media, they say, hey, I need prayer for this. Oh, the little praying emoji, right? Bloop. No, open your mouth and pray. Amen? Amen? Open your mouth and pray. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is what? It's powerful and effective. The righteous part has to be, you know, in there as well. But the other part will happen, amen? It's powerful and effective when you pray. The Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight, it's not your words, it's his. Jeremiah says, God, I am not all the excuses that you can come up with isn't who God has called you to be. In Jeremiah's case, all he would need to do was just simply obey God and say what God had commanded him. That was the command. Jeremiah couldn't hide behind the excuses and neither can we, church. God begins to speak back to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and verse 7. He says, the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. In our day and age, church, it's not easy to live for Jesus, but you know what? It wasn't for Jeremiah either. Sometimes we think, oh, well, it's, it's, it's so much worse than they had it. Really? You know, Peter was crucified upside down. Sounds pretty bad to me. John was beheaded. Sounds pretty bad to me. I don't think it was worse. I just think that the enemy has bought, allowed people to buy into lies of thinking that, oh, I just better not say anything because we live in a culture of hypersensitivity and we could offend somebody if we say the name of Jesus. Well, listen, I'm here to tell you, church, he is the name above all names. And the Bible says that he is the only road. He is the only way. He is the only one that we can come to for salvation. So listen, you need to say the name of Jesus. Amen. You need to shout out the name of Jesus. God's promise to Jeremiah was, do not be afraid of them. I am with you. That's a pretty good promise. Man, if God's like, I'm with you, Duke. Let's go. I'd feel pretty confident. I'd be like, okay, Lord, let's do this. But there's times, church, when we rely solely on what our eyes can see, solely on what our emotions or our flesh can feel, and we're actually not seeing that he's standing right beside us. We're actually not seeing that through the eyes of faith, I know he's there with me. It looked like David just walked to the battle line on his own, but how many of you know that it was God that threw that stone David wasn't just standing up there by himself, a little boy going like, oh, man, that giant's pretty big. No, God was with David. Amen. God was with him. And so the Lord says to us, he says, do not be afraid. I am with you and I will rescue you. Every single day, church, as you go through life, as you go to school, work in your homes, you will find that the enemy is doing everything he can to distract this world. Every single thing that he can for both young people and old people, he wants you to not look at heaven. He wants you to not fix your eyes on Jesus. The enemy is destroying homes by making people focus on problems. He's destroying marriages by making people focus on, on finances. He's distracting our focus from God to garbage through movies and TVs and gossip magazines and social media. And in the midst of all the surroundings that you and I are facing in this land and in this world God has called you to burn passionately for him there's no excuse 
There is no excuse. This means to live with such an abandonment church to the things of this world and be completely sold out for the king and his kingdom. The Lord has called you to burn passionately for his presence. How many of you just, when you feel the presence of God, it's like you don't want to be anywhere else. I know when I've stepped into the, to the throne room of God, the Bible says that we can approach the throne of God with boldness, with confidence. But once I'm there, and I know he's there, church, there's no greater place to be. There is no greater place to be. The Lord wants you to hunger for his return and await his return, to desire his power, to desire his gifts. But guess what? We spend most of our time getting burned out instead of burning for the Lord with the cause. Distraction, church, is one of the biggest lies of the devil. If he can just make you go, look, at, look over there, get you to focus on the problem, get you to focus on, on the inadequacy in this case, then he will remove your heart and your mind and your faith from seeing who God really is in your life. And so this brings us to this question, why should we burn? I believe one of the main answers for that is this, is so that the lost can believe, church. If you have stepped into the presence of God, if you know the Lord as your Savior, if you've experienced the power of God. Jesus said, freely give, amen, as you've received. As freely as you've received, freely give. I believe the Lord wants us to shine the light of Christ so bright so that others can believe. In a current society with an obsession of sports, we have workaholics. There's people here tonight, man, they could have taken the time to be here. Did you know that? I'm not criticizing them. I'm just speaking the truth. They could have been here. Amen? How many of you know somebody could have been here? I hope you text them before service. Just remind them, say, you could have been here. Pastor Duke said, you could have been here. But listen, there's people that are workaholics and they're burning the candle at both ends. For what? For what? What does it gain you? What does it gain you to forfeit your own soul? Profit the world and forfeit your own soul. There's a society of higher education. There's a society of lawlessness, a society of corruption, people addicted to social media and more. And the enemy is continuing to blind people's eyes to believe that God and a relationship with Christ isn't the answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is why you have things that are going on uh, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our nation today where they have taken you know, prayer out of schools and they say, oh, well, you, you can't do this. You, you can't you know, do that. You can't you know, you know, say you know, certain things. Don't put your morals on me. Don't put your religion on me. Don't put your beliefs on me. We need to love and accept and you know, just you know, all this stuff about everybody. And this is why we see disobedient children, unfocused people, people that have no respect for the creation of God. This is why even marriages in the church are ending as much as they are in the world because guess what? The enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And guess what? It has crept into the church. If you say nothing, if you do nothing, it's eventually just going to it's its own fire. And it's just coming this way. But this fire consumes all things. This fire is able, church, to destroy everything in its path. In fact, we must be reminded tonight that the enemy is already defeated through the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross. Amen? But the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his mode 
of operation. And I'm not here to give any kind of credit to Satan, but I must say this, he is hard at work. Your loved ones are being misled. Our friends are being blinded to the gospel and they are headed down a road of perdition which leads the opposite direction of Jesus. Matthew 7 and verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. This is why we need to burn for him, church, and do the work of the kingdom because the lost will perish. It's like a highway. And at some point, church, There has to be beacons of light. There has to be markers. There has to be warning signs from the kingdom. There has to be warning signs from people that say they love God. The Bible says that if you don't love others, you can't love God. The love of God's not in you. If you hate your brother or sister, but you say you love God, the Bible says that what? You're a liar. So how could a church say that they love Jesus, but yet say nothing to the unbeliever? How can we say we're passionately in love with the Lord? We love God and we're so, you know, for God, but yet we say nothing to the unbeliever. Just like Moses saw that burning bush of the presence of God in the desert, so this world will see the light of Jesus shining brightly through those who believe. You see, you don't shine. If you don't shine, it is the great I am within you. It is the Lord within us that shines brightly. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, just a few verses later, it says, God who said, let Light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Charles Spurgeon, how many of you know who Charles Spurgeon is? Absolutely famous preacher. He said this, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. I believe the one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. You see, the lost are in desperate need of us being a light in a darkened world. Their lives literally depend on it. Guys in the back, can I get you to just kill the lights just for a second? This is going to be weird. How many of you have your phone? Don't turn on your light. You can even lower these if you want. I want it like dark, dark. Lower those side ones over there. Flip those off. Nobody online needs to see me. I'm not really concerned about that. (laughs) How many of you know where your little flashlight thingy is? Yeah? All right. You have your phone in your hands? There you go. That's better. Hey, I didn't tell you to turn it on, Linnell, but go, leave it on, leave it on, leave it on, shine it. Look back there, look back there, look back there. Let me have some more, let me have some more, turn them on. Here we go, all right, cameras, can you capture that, please? Put them on. What happened? In a dark room, there's now light. There's now light. Now wave it at me like this. The lost are living in darkness. They're confused. They're lost. They're hurt. And they cannot help but find relief for their pain. They stumble with any little thing that comes their way. But the beautiful thing about this is when your light is shining brightly, guess what? We can see. Now all of a sudden there is direction. Now all of a sudden the Bible says that the word is like a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Amen. You guys can get the lights back on tonight because everybody's having too much fun. (laughs) The word is what? It is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We cannot afford any longer, church, to not share our testimony. We cannot afford and go another day to not tell somebody about Jesus. Because in eternity in darkness, 
an eternity from Christ, an eternity away from God, an eternity of walking in darkness and blindness, church. It's not a place where people want to be. When I came to Christ, when I received Jesus in my life, it was the most powerful experience that I have had, which has gotten me where I'm at today. One encounter. And I thank God because I've had many more encounters since. But that day initiated church. A calling, a purpose, a life sold out to say, I'm not going to shut my mouth no matter what anybody says. Because I have a God that is greater. I have a God that is bigger, that is more powerful. And because he spilled his blood for my sins. Because he gave his life to redeem me from my brokenness, from my flaws, from my sin, from my, my lostness. I owe him everything. Everything. Everything, church. We owe him everything. Everything And the Bible teaches that the people of God have overcome because of the work of Christ. You are standing here tonight. You have a voice. You have a testimony. You have a light of Jesus shining in your life because of the work of Jesus on the cross. When he spilled his blood for your sins and you received him into your life, you were no longer now living in darkness, but the Bible says that you were born again and you're saved and now the light of Jesus is shining brightly through you. Now the light of Jesus is in your life and the Bible says in Matthew 5 and 16, therefore let your light shine before all men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That they might actually understand and know that, guess what? He's real, he's alive, and he's still alive today. I shared on Facebook this morning something that was so powerful. There we go, more light. Do I look better? All right. You didn't have to say that. I'm just kidding. I shared this on Facebook this morning because it was so profound when I read it. But it said, don't say you'll go to jail over your faith when you won't even go to church over it. <laughs> Some people say, I'll go to the grave for Jesus. Peter said he would go to the grave for Jesus. And Jesus responded with what? Before the rooster crows, Peter, you will deny me three times. The next morning, Peter. But what is so powerful about that story is there was a special anointing on the life of Peter after the Holy Spirit had come. Because it would be the very same one that would deny him three times that Peter himself would say, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my Lord and Savior. It would be the voice of Peter that would stand up filled with the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost preaching boldly before thousands of people. You see, when the Lord gets inside of your heart and gets inside of your life, it's Him doing the work, church. It's Him doing the powerful work. These people have a burning passion. This church should have a burning passion that if it meant if others' lives depended on them, then they would not stop preaching the gospel and sharing Christ at all costs. In Acts chapter 4, I'll read these verses to you and then we'll wrap this up. Acts 4 and verse 20. The apostle speaking, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Romans chapter 9, Paul speaking, he said, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. He says, my conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. He said, I have great 
sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. He said, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Those of my own race, the people of Israel. He said, theirs is the adoption as sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Paul is literally saying, if it means that they know Jesus, I will give up my spot. If it means that they would know him, take my place. When I read that, it, 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 it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind, church, because at some point, we lost a backbone. We lost a boldness. At some point, we are all of a sudden are more concerned with what they will say to us and less concerned with what he told us to do. I'm here to remind you tonight that he is with you. I'm here to remind you tonight that he is greater than anyone. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'm here to remind you tonight, church, that you are a mighty warrior. I'm here to remind you tonight that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Paul said, I have an unceasing anguish in my heart. When was the last time that you saw somebody that was battling with anxiety and depression? Suicidal thoughts. You see it all over Facebook. Could be your friends. It could be somebody you know. When was the last time that you saw somebody that was struggling to know who they are? They don't even know their gender. They call themselves a non-whatever and the letters are getting longer. I don't even know what that thing means anymore. When was the last time that you told them about Jesus? Because you don't want to offend somebody, you don't want them to really know him then, do you? To be able to say like Paul said, that I would wish myself cursed and cut off from Jesus if they would know. It's such a powerful statement. I pray that we would burn so passionately for Jesus. That throughout this race, in you and I running this race of faith, that we would live as selflessly as Paul lived, that we would live as selflessly as Jesus lived, when the Bible says that their greater love has no man, that he would lay down his life for his friends. This is what God has called us to. That I wouldn't live for my own cause. I wouldn't live for my own passion and desires. I wouldn't live to accomplish my own goals, but I would live to please the one who called me. Job 32 and verse 18, he said, I am full of words and the spirit within me compels me. Inside, I am like a bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. He said, I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I must show, I will show partiality to no one, nor will I flatter any man. He said, for if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. These were men of God that the Bible tells us, church, that had a burning passion to share the gospel. The Lord is trusting you and I tonight. He is trusting you and I to take the fire that we have encountered 
to take the presence of God that we have come to know and take him to a lost and dying generation. Could somebody say amen tonight? And so as I ask you to stand to your feet this evening, I want us to pray. I want you to lift your hands all over this room just as a sign of surrender to God. Lord, we thank you, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this room. Just lift up your hands before the Lord tonight. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God is a double-edged sword, Father. I believe, Lord, that your word is speaking, Lord, into our hearts and into our lives tonight, Lord. You're desiring, God, Lord, tonight that we would have a boldness, God, and a fire, God. A fire, Lord, that would consume, Lord. A fire that would, that would go forward, Lord. A fire, God, that, Lord, we could not contain within us, God. But, Lord, we would burn passionately for you, God. Lord, sharing and showing this world the love of Jesus, Lord. And so, God, I pray for our hearts tonight, Lord, that we would have the, the, the same uh, eyes that you have, Lord. That we would see the world like you see it, Lord. That we would have a great burden for the lost. You said in your word that you came to seek and save those who were lost, Lord. This is your mission, God. This is what you've called us to do, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that we would never make excuses, God. We would never look to excuses for why we didn't. And, God, we would trust you for why we should. Because, God, I know we've all encountered somebody, Lord. And in that moment, God, when we had the Lord, just the treasure of heaven, God, to offer them, Lord, something told us, something kept our mouth shut. And so, God, we just rebuke the enemy tonight, Lord. We rebuke his lies to somehow think that we're inadequate, to somehow think that we cannot be a vessel used by you, Lord. And Father, we focus our attention on you that says, I am with you. I will overcome for you. That I am the one that is in you. It is me that is pushing you into this power. And so, Lord, may we just be obedient to your voice tonight. May we be obedient, God, to this call that you have placed upon us, Lord. Just like you called Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations, Lord, so too you've called this generation, God, to tell of your mighty acts, God, to share from one generation to another the faithfulness and the goodness of our God. So right there where you are, church, I want you to just begin to pray to the Lord. And I want you to begin to just bind and rebuke all inadequacies. Whatever it is that the enemy has used as a target, whatever he has used as a thorn in your flesh to stop you from doing and fulfilling that which the Lord has called you to do, I want you to just rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus tonight. Whatever it is, it could be fear, it could be worry, it could be anxiety, it could be just a lack of, of whatever. It just begin to rebuke that thing tonight and begin to trust and believe that God who is in you is greater. Trust and believe that the one who is in you will speak through you. He will tell you of the things to come. He will fill your heart and he will fill your mouth with the word of God. And so, Father, we pray tonight, Lord. We pray tonight that as your Holy Spirit, Lord, has filled us, Lord, for this moment, God, that, Lord, these tongues would be released, Lord. These lives and these mouths, God, would be released, for, Lord, to speak forth your truth. Let us be less concerned with offense. Let us be less concerned with all of these things, Lord, and preach your truth, Lord. Preach your truth, God, in this world. Your word says, Lord, in the book of James, that we would should not only be hearers of the gospel, but doers of the gospel as well. Your word says that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so, Father, we just thank you for this right now, Lord. We just thank you for this right now, Lord. I want us to read this verse. We read this on Friday night. It was so powerful. 
Isaiah 59 and verse 21. I'll wait for the guys to get that tonight. Isaiah 59 and verse 21. I want us to read this in concert together, all right? Everyone say, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.